Father, we uh, come before a text that's greater than us. Like all texts, really. But this one especially. It's hard for us to get our mind about the truth of your coming. I mean, we've been saying it for 2,000 years. And you haven't come yet. But you are coming. May not be in our lifetime. Maybe before the service is over. Who knows? But our hope is not in found in what we feel or know in ourselves, but what we know from the Word. Father, I pray for one today that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior and they're not looking forward to this day that's coming. Or shouldn't. And Father, the day coming brings much joy, much hope to us. But it does affect the way we live. So Father, I pray that we don't hear just the fact that You're coming. But Father, the passion of Paul in this text is going to make a difference how you live. We'll praise and thank You for all that You do in Christ's name. Amen. Yesterday we had the opportunity to go down to Miss Annie's funeral. Unusual situation for me. It had been since uh, around 1988 since I was in that church. It's old enough that I can't go in it. (laughs) Went in and visited with the family and then sat out and talked to the funeral home people during the service. As I walked the graveyard, I could not notice. We've been burying people a long time. I saw kids' markers that never saw the light of day. I noticed the date of someone. One, one said, Stephen, I don't remember his last name, June 6, died June 6, 1925. Which means my grandfather stood there and did that funeral. Yes. I can take you to his grave. We live in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket quick, right? I had a pastor call me this week. He and I were talking from the mountains. He and I were talking about the things that are all over the news about Israel. And he said, you know what scares me most? I said, what? He said, we weren't supposed to be here for this. <laughs> Harry may be the only one to caught that. We don't we don't know that this is it, right? I mean, this could go on for centuries. 
I mean, I'm sure many thought in 70 AD that the Lord was coming yeah. back. Some argue that he did. So, Yes. Yeah. He didn't come like he's going to come back. We know that much. But, uh, whatever that looks like. But we, li- we live in a world that's really, really heading to the end quickly. And we look at it, but for a Christian... We 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 look through a different lens than the world looks through. Yes. We we look through a lens that our sovereign God rules. Yes. And nothing, and that's I used an all inclusive word because I meant an all inclusive word. Nothing happens outside His sovereign control. That's right. Every bomb that drops, he guides or stops. I, I think Karen had sent it to me, message by MacArthur on this issue. It's the same message he preached after 9-11. What happened to those people wasn't something that wasn't going to happen to those people. It's like the message where Jesus is reminding them about the tower that fell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to ask why those people died. And he said, wrong question. Mm-hmm. The right question is, why did it not fall on you? Yes. Right. So, but as believers, we're, we're on this journey too. But find that we know what really is going on. We know what's happening. Or what's going to happen. We just don't know the time frame. And we like to argue over that. So that's fine. We can do that. And we're, we're, going to, we're going to do that one evening sometime. We're going to have a, have a talk about es, eschatology and the differing views and reality is. And at the end, we're going to all look at each other in truthfulness and go, but we have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Might have an idea. Might have a thought. You might be wrong. <laughs> okay? That's right. Hey, yeah, that's better. We might be all wrong. Remember... Jewish people had the Bible in their language. And when Jesus came, what did they do to him? They crucified him. Right? So. But in our view, <clears throat> what's really happening? And that's affected by what we know to be true. In other words, what is reality? What is real? Paul has begun in his letter by reminding us in chapter 1 of what is real. Chapter 1 beginning in verse 9, And so from the day that we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the reality for us. This is how we live. That you may be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who's done that? He has. We didn't do that. 
did it. He has, verse 13, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But that's not the end of the reality. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominion or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Question, is that entirely just Old Testament? In other words, Israel, the nations, is, he, is Paul just referring to Old Testament up to this point or is it all of all time? All time. All time. He's created all things, in heaven and all, visible and invisible. He's created thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. They only rule by His decree. Amen. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Without Christ, we die. Yes, right. Without Christ, atoms fly apart. Yeah. Scientists can't explain to us why Protons and electrons fly around the nucleus. They do by the power of God. Yes. By His decree, they do that. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. Now, just a church? No. That in everything He would preeminent. And in Him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on heaven or in, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who were once alien and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of the flesh by, the death, by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Will that happen? Yes. Has it happened in some degree? Yes. It's not the end though. It didn't do all that so that we die, we go to heaven. That's not, that's not the entire story. There's a story that belongs that He is King of kings and Lord of lords and one day He will rule. Yes. That's reality. In chapter 2, look at verse 6. Therefore, as you've received Christ the Lord, so walk in Him, and being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, you've been taught abounding in thanksgiving. Look at verse 9. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells. Verse 10. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all authority. And verse 11. And in Him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Verse 12, having been buried, uh-oh, not in Him, with Him. He's changed. It's now with Him. Verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in circumcision in your flesh, God made alive with Him, having given us all our trespasses. Verse 20, If with Christ 
you have died to the elementary spirits of this world. Why are you still alive in this world? Do you submit to regulations? Chapter 3, look at verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Verse 1, actually, I missed over verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seen. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you shall appear with Him in glory. We are not just in Him, we are with Him. Yes. Sticking to what Paul has said, drawing, drawing this together for you in verses 16 really through verse 23. You don't need legalism. You don't need mysticism. You don't need traditions of man. You don't need asceticism because the reality is if you know the Lord, you are in Him and you are with Him. Amen. Right? That's reality. It's our position. Look at verse 1, verse chapter 3. If then, and the word here is since. You could, could technically use verse 20, but he's asking a question there. He's not asking a question here. He's making a statement. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that when Christ, who is your life, appears, not if, but when, yes. when He appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Right? We're going to live lives focused on the Lord in these last days, if we're going to live lives pleasing to the Lord, if we're going to live lives like that, we're going to need to focus on the realities of the Scriptures. Who was Jesus Christ while He walked on the earth? You ever, you ever think of that? You ever, you ever go back in your mind? You, you may go back in your mind to... The TV show, The Chosen, I don't care whether you like it or not. Okay, that's fine. Immaterial. But can you imagine being before the Lord Jesus and people talking to Him like they're talking to Him? Pharisees. Even, even to the crucifixion where people are, are slapping Him and forcing crowns. I want to stop them and go, do you have any idea who that is? No. They don't. You, you don't understand. I want to stop. You realize that's the creator of the world? Yes. I'll put it this way. That's the man who made you. Yes. And, and, in, and in one comedian's way, he brought you into the world, he'll take you out. Right? And he could have, couldn't he? Yes. He could have called 10,000 legions of angels to rescue him on the cross. In Matthew 16, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? Turn back there, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. <clears throat> Verse 
beginning in verse 13, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice Jesus' answer. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Wow. And even in that, as we draw even further into the story of Christ, as He's ministering to His disciples, they still did not understand who He was. You remember on the, the boat, and I'm not sure if it precedes or postcedes that text, where Jesus is on the boat and He's asleep, and they're, don't you care that we're about to die? And He says that they were filled with fear. And Jesus said to the waves and winds, peace, be still, and immediately... And the text says, and great fear filled the disciples. Why? Because they realized God was in the boat. I'm not sure you and I live in that reality. It took the Father's work in their minds and hearts to realize who He was before them. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives yes. to open our eyes to who He is. Yes. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. They don't see it. He's the creator of the world. The winds and the waves still obey His voice. Yes. What is the reality that Paul wants us to see and to understand in Colossians 3, 1-4? through What are the great certainties which lead us to change our mindset? It's like God that pulls the curtain back in this text to reveal that that most people don't, don't know who He is, even believers. And once we see and we realize the truths in this text, we will change the way we live. It affects every area of our lives that we'll see in the rest of this chapter. If you go, you remember, he goes on he, in verse 5, put to death then, do not lie to one another in verse 9. Put on them as chosen ones, verse 12, these types of languages and this bearing one another, verse 13. Above all, put on love and the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do indeed, and the, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks. Why? Because we realize there's realities. Yes. Five truths that I want you to pull from this text today and I'm, I will get as far as we, we get. First truth is in verse 3, or verse 1 and verse 3. If then you have been 
risen with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Where? In God. First reality. God. Thousands of people and a growing number, I believe, or don't believe in God. Or worse, God that they do believe in is no God at all. In passing the other day, I was coming to get my hair cut, Jennifer's this lady was there. Quite the hair, by the way. <laughs> She said, you need hair like mine. I said, I just need hair. <laughs> but after she was gone, Jennifer mentioned she's, she's an atheist. So what you say? I said, man, wish I'd have gotten here earlier. I run into a couple, and when I'm finished, they're not atheists. They admit they're not atheists. They're agnostics. Which is worse, by the way. Because there's not enough information to prove that there is a God and whose fault is it? It's God's fault. Right? But I always ask atheists. I've never met, I've never met one. And they're usually intrigued. I mean, you've never met an atheist. I've never met one. I'll put it this way. I've never met a truthful one. Right? Truthful one. Well, I am. Now, and if you'll tell me the truth, I can prove you're not an atheist. Of all that there is to know in the world, of all the information, all the science, all the languages, all the political, geopolitical, geographical, everything in the world, every person in the world, how much of that percentage-wise do you know? And I'll get some of them pretty bold sometimes, say 10%. I said, I remember I told you to be truthful with me. I said, I can prove you don't know 10%. Just take people. How many people do you know? And I'll give you at sight. You don't know Donald Trump or President Biden, but you, he doesn't know you, but you recognize him. So a picture, you know him. And most people said 2,000. I'll give you 8,000. You know how many people there are in the world? 8 billion. Yeah. Yeah. That is point. Zero, 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 one percent. That's more like we know. Yes. We know about one ten millionth or one millionth in that case, but really, <laughs> foreign languages, I know nothing. <laughs> I'm still working on English. As Bob has said, we speak Southern. Right? right? right. We don't know anything. How, how dare we say God doesn't exist? And you admit you don't know 99.9999999% of anything. Oh, uh, I said, what's the chance that God exists in the 99.9999999% that you don't know? That's a pretty good chance. Or some have an idea of God. 
God they would like. God who's love. They believe we've even lowered the standard trying to get it into our school system an intelligent designer. Okay. That doesn't get us any closer. What matters is what's your idea of God? But to know Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Or to live a life that is hidden with Christ in God. In chapter 1, verse 16, we've, we found that all things created by Him. He's the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the, he's the Creator. He is a Son in whom all the fullness of deity dwells, according to verse 19 of chapter 1 and chapter 2, verse 9. He, all, he holds all things into existence in verse 17. He loves His Son and sent His Son to die for the world, according to chapter verse 14 and chapter 2. See, the question is not, who is God to you? The question is, who is God according to the Scriptures? Yes. He's the sovereign one. He's the one who holds the world and its nations and the king's heart in his hand. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 40. We read this often, but you need to read this in light of our text today. Turn back with me to Isaiah. Everybody, Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to pick around a little bit, but I encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime. But Verse 15, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are, are counted as dust on the scales. Behold, he, he takes up the coastland like fine dust. Verse 17, all the nations are as nothing before Him. They are accounted by Him as less than nothing in, in emptiness. Iran and Iraq are nothing but dust on the scale to God. That's right. So is the United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need us. Right. right? Verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness shall you compare with Him? I'm going to jump to verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like Him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of His might, and because He's strong in power, not one of them is missing. All the stars, you get on a clear night. It's beautiful in Africa to go out and no, no light is affecting the, the brightness of the sky. And just look at the sky and all those stars shining so brightly. And He calls them all by name. He knows yes. them all. Knows them all. Put them in their orbit. Why do you say, verse 27, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God. Never, no, no beginning and no ending. By the way, the Bible doesn't set out to prove the existence of God. It simply states that He is. In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. Have you not heard, verse 28, the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding, it's unsearchable. Talked about how little bit we know. He knows it all. Not a language he doesn't know. Not a mathematical equation he doesn't know. Not a name he doesn't know. Past, present, future. He knows them all. Yes. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who is like my Lord? First truth is, God is. God is. Second truth, in verse 1 as well, have you not heard, have you, if then you have been raised with Christ, set the, seek things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's the second one. Christ is Seated at the right hand of God. You want to know where He is? That's where He is. He's the internal loved Son. But we find three things in that text about Christ being seated. That First of all, He is He's above. He's above. He's above the created order. He's above creation. And that's a mystery to us. But the incarnation is a mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That the penetration of the divine into the realm of creation. Think about that. But turn that around. The ascension is the penetration of the creation into the realms of the divine. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand. Not only is He above, He's at the right hand. The highest of honor, the place of dignity, of power, and all authority. 1 Peter chapter... You don't have to follow me here, but 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter reminds them, I believe it's in verse... 22, I'll start at, yeah, verse 22. Who has gone into heaven, not Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to Him. He's there. That's where He is. Romans 8 tells us that He's doing something while He's there. What is He doing? According to Romans 8.34, He's interceding for us. He's above all things. And all things are subject to Him. But number three, we find that He's seated. He's not standing. He's not pacing. He's not wringing His hands. He's seated. We get reminded of this in Hebrews, don't we? In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews 1 and verse 3, 
It reminds us He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Signifying what? His work is finished. It's done. His saving work is finished. This Jesus is now above. He's seated. He's at His Father's right hand, the, the place of highest honor and dignity and power and authority. He's seated there. These are the facts of reality. That's where He is. Does He not care what's happening in Israel? Does He not care? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's reality. Third reality that we see in this text. If you have been raised with Christ, seek things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 3, if you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's another reality. The death that we so dread is behind us. Yes. What is death for the believer? Gain. What's Paul say? To live as Christ and to die? Gain. To depart and be with Christ? Remember, remember the Seagrove edition of this? Much more, far greater. To be with Christ is much more far greater. Miss Annie is alive, more alive today than she's ever been in her life. Yes. Why? Because her death was in the past. The worst is behind. We find too that we've been, verse 1, we've been raised with Christ. Our security and our union with the Father and with the Son. Verse 12 of chapter 2, having been buried with Him in baptism. So we've died with Him, we've been buried with Him, we've been raised with Him. It says in the same verse, in which you've also been raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. It's our security. As a believer, we've, we've passed from death into life. First John 3. The worst is behind. No longer fear death. Now, in the words of my first pastor I served under, I'm not afraid of dying, but if the Lord's getting the bus load to go today, I'd just soon wait. <laughs> That's true. I went by to see Miss Annie a few weeks ago, and I said, how you doing? It's all the same expression I saw in her that I saw in... Melody's dad. There's a reality when you get right there. Unlike most of us, a lot of us, we don't get that kind of notice. Melody's dad, three months. Just about to the day. Miss Andy knew, I'm, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm going to be with my Lord. Concern? No. I said, you know, I've traveled enough overseas that Melody will get akin to this. I carry, and I know they're out of date, but I don't care. Fanny packs. Okay? 
looked like your belt had a hemorrhage or something. <laughs> but my passport goes in that fanny pack. Yeah. And I bet you I check it 500 times. Because yeah. yeah. it is possible for people to walk off with it. <laughs> right? Okay? It is. Now, I mean, I'm checking. I am constantly checking. Not mentioning anybody like Bob or anything. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. but that's why you check it. You don't know who's got it. Okay? You know what I mean? We're, we're constantly checking this thing. Okay. I know I got it. It seemed like you get close to the end. Yeah. Say, did, did I do that right? Yes. Did, did, did I really? I said, tell me about it, Miss Annie. She said, I was seven. Christian light and I was singing in the choir because the church is small and anybody can sing sings in the choir and she said it was a revival meeting and she said I can't remember the guy's name but I can see his face and at the end of it I had the front pew in front of me my knuckles were white she said my aunt was behind me leaned forward and said don't you think you need to take care of that All who call upon the name of the Lord will what? Shall be saved. Yeah. And all who call upon Him, He will in no wise what? Cast out. Call on Him. At a point in time in your life that you ask the Lord forgive you for sins. If you did, He saved you. Our life now is hidden with Christ in God. Worth behind us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I told you I was going to go to chapter 4 in a few minutes. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Paul writes, For we walk by faith and not by sight. A few days ago, her faith turned into sight. Yes. Lord Terry's is coming. For us that know Him... That will happen too. Yes. Yeah. But faith, faith does see. Second Corinthians four, verse four says, "In the eyes of the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of, of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God." But for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, our our Lord. Verse 6, let the light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Faith sees. As God opens the mind and the heart of the believer. He'll grant us the ability to see what we cannot see. So reality number one is God. Reality number two is Christ is at the Father's right hand. He's seated there. He's ever making intercession for us, if you wanted to add that one. The third one is that death is behind us. Back to our text. Reality number four, Christ will appear. Verse four, when Christ who is your life, appears. You could take actually those four words out of the middle. 
when Christ appears. But through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he, He's here now. He lives in us. But the world can't see Him. He's hidden. But that hiddenness is going to come to an end one day. He's going to appear. In the book of Titus in chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes here, waiting for our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Him a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. That's what we're waiting for. Yes. We're waiting for Him to appear. But no lamb this time. A lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes. I love in C.S. Lewis's books on Narnia. I don't remember it's the last one. One of the little people couldn't see Aslan. And at the end, after he's conquered, she's standing there and she goes. This is Aslan. He says, where's this little rascal? He brings up, he bows down, and Aslan roars. And she said, you see him now? <laughs> I love it. One day, our king's going to roar. Yes. And the world will see him yes. as he is. Turn to Revelation 6. Revelation 6. Beginning in verse 12, just for sake of time, and when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and, full, and the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when it's shaken by gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island were removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and of the mountains calling for the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great David's wrath has come who can stand. They'll say it'd be better to die than to face the king. He's coming. He's coming again to redeem us the great day where our faith will vanish into sight. What a glorious day for us as believers. What a horrible day. What a terrifying day it will be for those who do not know the Lord. 
It's too late then. And every king of the earth will bow and bend their knee. Declare he is king of kings and lord of lords. Then I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of the heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, are following him on the white horses. From his mouth comes sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice and he called to all the birds and the birds directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. The beast was captured and it was a false prophet who was in the presence had done these signs by which deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who were worshipped this image. These were drawn alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who's sitting on the horse and all the birds were gorged with their flesh he is coming again yes. Yes. that's reality mm-hmm. well I don't believe it how much do you know Last truth back in our text. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall appear with Him in glory. Actually, verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Last great reality here in this text. We're hidden. When Christ, who is your life, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, the treasure, the pattern, and when He appears, we will be appear with Him. But right now, we're hidden. First mission trip I went to Romania, I've told this story before. Mr. Turner, who was a missionary to... Caribbean islands and when he came home on furlough he spent his furlough time going on mission trips. He wanted to see what the Lord was doing in other parts of the field and 
of the world. And so he went with us to Romania. And while we were there, days before cell phones and such, he got word that his grandson had been taken to Mayo Clinic. Very sick. And so Mr. Turner went, <coughs> caught the train to Bucharest, Budapest, Bucharest. Went to the airport. I need a ticket home. No seats. I mean, you got to book them months in advance. He said, I need to go home. He said, well, the only seats that are available is for royalty. He didn't bat an eye. He goes, I'm a child of the king. He was on that flight. We're going to look around. Realize the people that are occupying this room are sons and daughters of God. You don't have any idea who I am. I belong to the Lord. Which makes us understand I don't want to make the dad unhappy with me. But we're hidden right now. We don't come with L's written on our foreheads. You can't find maybe E for elect, I guess. Black lights to figure out who the elect are. We're hidden. The world doesn't know. God knows. Which means He also knows who aren't His. Are you His? He's not confused about it. Are you? When I was 16, I went checking the hospital for appendectomy. And at the time in Fayetteville, there was two hospitals, both under the same head people. And as we were checking in, the lady that was checking us in was having a bad day. And she was taking it out on us. Just as smart answers and sarcastic. And she finally looked at my dad and says, So what's your name? My name's Tori. Johnson Sr. And she froze. See, Tori Johnson Jr. is her boss. <laughs> He's the chief financial operator for Cape Fear Valley Hospital. And she froze. And she looked and she said, You're not. He goes, I am. And she said, Oh, Mr. Johnson, please, please don't tell don't tell your 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 son's signatures on my check. Please don't tell please don't tell your son. Well, you shouldn't act that way regardless. Right. But you know what? We right now we're hidden. We don't know. Yeah. Matthew chapter thirteen, don't turn there, just let me do it. Matthew thirteen. The Son of Man will send His angels and they shall gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers. This is 13. Yep. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear.
See, God does exist. Christ, His Son, is at His right hand, seated. Making intercession for us, we could add. For us as believers, death behind us, force over. Christ will appear. And number five, we will appear with Him. Look at our text. And you will appear with Him in glory. We died with Him. We're buried with Him. We're raised with Him. We will return with Him. Now, what's the end glory mean? Do you remember in Genesis when Adam and Eve were made? And when they sinned, what did they realize about themselves? That they were naked. In fact, God said to them, who told you? Prior to then, they were clothed by the glory of our God. Yes. Remember Moses going up to the bush and seeing it? And when he came down to the people, what did they ask him to do? Cover your face. We can't bear to see it. I could title this another way, Back to Eden. We will return with the Lord in the glory in which we were created. Yes. Yes. We like Him in that sense. Yes. One author said, if it weren't for our redeemed nature, we would be tempted to worship each other. Because we shine like the brightness of the sun. But because we are redeemed, we know that there's only one that's worthy of all our worship and praise and glory. But can you imagine what it's going to be like? To be like the Lord and clothed in His glory. So what? You haven't told me anything today, Pastor? I haven't, no? Really? How does this truth change me? How I see my life and the motivations of my life? If you, were new, you knew you were going to die in three months, like Melody's dad did, what would you do in light of that information? He took the time to gather all of us, tell us how much He loved us. Took time to witness the people. If you knew your wife was going to die in three months from now, what would you do? If you knew six months from now you're going to lose your job, what would you be doing? See, knowing those things affects us, doesn't it? Changes things. Changes our focus. Changes our motivations. Paul here gives us, and I won't get to all this today, this is where we'll be next week. Paul, on the basis of these realities, reminds us that there are some things that need to change about us. Go back to our text. Seek things above where Christ is seated. Set your mind on things above and not on things 
of the earth and be ready for Him to come back. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. The things above. What things above? The five things we've talked about. That's above. On God and on Christ. To set, to shape by the realities in our thinkings, our attitude, our actions. Keep on seeking. That's what it word usually here in verse, if you then you have been raised with Christ, keep on seeking the things above. Your will and your actions, your attitude. Keep seeking it. Keep seeking Christ to know Him in all of His glory. To set your mind to keep on thinking, but to set your mind to be like-minded like He is. To have the same mindset, the attitude, the disposition, the temperate temperament, the ways of our, our, our thinking, our feelings, responding to Christ. This will affect the way you see the world. Set your mind, verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Our, our lives are preoccupied with things that are going to burn. Yes. And we have to be. Well, I mean, we've got to go to work tomorrow. We've got, we got, we, we got things we've got to do. We've got natural cares. But we put all that in the, in the light of glory. Why does God have you at that job? Why does God have you making the money that you're making? Why does God giving you the influence? Looking at it through that lens. Why? Because one day Christ is going to appear. Yes. To seek. To pursue. To chase down. To track them down. To seize them. To dig into them. To understand them. To savor them. To treasure them. We're to seek things above like that. Piper writes, this is not passive. No one gains the mindset of heaven passively. You seek it or you don't have it. Be aware, he says. The only seeking that... Uh, succeeds is the seeking of those who are dead. The only seeking of life hidden with Christ in God is the seeking by those whose life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not seeking to make the death or the life happen. You're seeking because they have happened. Colossians 3 verse 3, you have died. 3 1, you've been raised. You're not seeking this death. That's behind you. You're not, you're not seeking the resurrection. That's behind you. You have died. You have been raised. That's the basis of our seeking, not the object of our seeking. This is the very essence of the Christian effort. We seek and crave and pursue the realities that are above because we are from above. Yes. The pathway to the mindset that is shaped by the realities that are above is relentless, passionate seeking. Seek the realities that are above. They are found in the Word of God. Seek them. Don't be passive. Especially, listen, we, in our, we are in, we're closer today to the end than we were yesterday. 
that's what we know. You don't know what we know? That's what we know. I'm one day closer. We are one day closer to the Lord's return than we were yesterday. That's all we know. But seek them. Find them. Meditate on them. Treasure them. Until your whole way of thinking and feeling and responding and acting is shaped by the things that are above. Let's pray. Father, what a text. Like I've even scratched. But Father, for us as believers, what a day that's going to be. And Lord, in many ways I pray that it's in my lifetime like so many in generations before. It may not be. The war going on in the Middle East may be the final war. may not be. Seems like Israel's been in war their whole life. And they're good at it. Father, we don't know. I don't, we don't know the time. But what we do know is you are coming back. And when you come, it won't be as a lamb, but as a lion. Coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all the nations and all the kings and all the wise men and all the rich men will beg for the mountains to drop on them and face you. Father, in some ways, if we're here without Christ, that should terrify us. But that's reality. You don't know what's real? That's reality. Father, what a great day it's going to be for us as believers. To see the one I've loved my entire life. Face to face. We'll see Him and when we see Him we shall be like Him. Lord, help us to be like you now. Help us to seek things above and not things on the earth that will be burned up and gone. Make it our passion to know you. Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior and treasure of their life, Lord, I pray for working with your Spirit. Open blind eyes today that only the Spirit of God can do. Give them sight that they may see. They don't leave this place without knowing. There may be some here, Father, that they think they know you. They act like they do, but they don't. Lord, would you bring conviction in their hearts today? Father, it's for us as believers. We're prone to be preoccupied easily with things, the ways of the world, 
instead of being preoccupied with you. Father, give us a passion to know you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.